Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me are my co-host, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. For the first time ever, we're going to do a comedy special. We're talking Is this really about... the first time? I don't think we've ever done one. I don't know that we have either. <laughs> Huh. I, I don't think we have either like we've i mean at one point we talked about doing a chevelle special and then it turned out to be controversial and so we didn't end up doing it but uh yeah i think this is the first comedy special we've ever done i think we've done them on like what we've been watching and then we've all watched it so then we yeah. rant about it for 15 <laughs> minutes but uh this is the first time we're dedicating an episode to it which we're talking about inside by bo burnham and I have to say thank you to you guys because I'm the one that was like, oh, we have to talk about it. But, you know, it is kind of weird. I'll be honest. <laughs> so much of that is making fun of content for the Internet to be talking about it on content for the Internet. For sure. <laughs> and, and, and that's that's kind of one of the things I want to talk about. One of the reasons I had been putting off watching this is because a lot of people are talking about it. And as I think Kurt's talked about many times, I feel like expectation is the enemy of comedy. So I don't want to really talk necessarily much about our impressions of it before spoilers, because I think, you know, if we can elevator pitch you on, you know, what the general gist is, and if it's something you'd be interested in, you should watch it before you listen to us talk about it. That's a fair point. Yeah, I would agree with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you, I don't know if you want to talk about more about just the general gist of what it is, Christian. Um, yeah, conceptually, I guess, is that this is a special that Bo Burnham wrote, shot, edited, filmed himself during quarantine. And, uh, you know, a little, I guess, tidbit on Bo Burnham. He's kind of been like off the scene for a while. Um, so I know it's hard to get into specifics because I know I didn't know anything about it going into it. And I was thankful for that. But I would I, say I, I think that's definitely the ideal way to go in. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, I think if I, if I had to pitch it without getting into anything uh, about it, it's it's more. I mean, of all the people that have attempted, I feel like it's I don't know, a, a pretty specific encapsulation of, you know, covid times and, you know, the indoor times and, you know, trying to mine the 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 comedy and kind of the specific observations of that experience. Yeah, I think there I think there have already been like two covid movies and then there's like been one that's entirely over zoom and shit like that. Don't watch any of that. I, I would yeah. say this is the best. What is covid? How do, the covid lens on on a, for, a medium that we've yet to get, in my opinion. <laughs> This is the first clever COVID concept that didn't immediately give the react me the reaction of oh fuck you, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like 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 this one this one I think earned. It. And I, I feel like that's a good place to call it. I think if if this even vaguely floats your boat or the fact that we're talking about it and we felt we should devote an episode to it is is enough to uh, to convince you. I think you should you should watch it and experience it for yourself and then and then come back to it. Mm. So spoilers. So spoilers. And this is the other thing now that we're in spoilers that I was curious about having watched it. What the fuck did you want to talk about? So bad Christian. (laughs) (laughs) So number one, I think it's just incredibly impressive. Everything he did himself. And I guess, you know, you could maybe you could question if that's true or not. But I want to know. I let me backtrack just a second. I consider myself an, uh, a jack of all trades, master of none type of person. I'm not really great at any one thing, but I'm pretty good at several things. 
Right. But this is really good in a lot of different things. And I want to know how does one person get so talented at writing music, at setting up a shot at, you know, I think it's edited really, really well. I, it just, it's just a masterclass in a lot of different things. So my, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is just how fucking talented is Bo Burnham for yeah, they, it, pulling they, it off. He's the kind of talented that makes me upset on the inside. Uh, I really, I hate it. It's, it's almost like seeing like the j- child prodigies at something, uh, except this guy is, is a guy that's exactly my age, but better at everything that I'll ever be. And I, I, I generally find that upsetting, but it is a really I- impressive accomplishment, I feel like, because you know, like you said, you know, the, the music's great. The shots are great. The just overall flow is great. I mean, the, the observations in the, the, the comedy is great. And I don't know, it, it, it is, it's, it's a, it's funny because I feel like there's been a lot of people trying to, to assuage people's anxieties that they should have been doing something constructive during, you know, this whole like, you know, dramatic time for the world where, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs, blah, 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 blah. It, it, was, it was a bad time for everyone, various levels of bad from, you know, inconvenient to uh, life altering. And so a lot of people on the Internet are like, hey, you know, it's OK to just like make it. You don't necessarily have to come out like better or have, you know, chrysalis into some kind of butterfly once you emerge from the pandemic. And then Bo Burnham just went and fucking did that and is a real asshole about it. And it's again, it's it's really impressive, but it's, uh, you know, it's it's unsettling and on the same level. I think I think somehow Joseph's negativity has made him take more positive from this than, you know than there is i don't feel like he came out of this any better at all he came oh, no 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 for of- sure i meant like uh as far as like producing something because that's the oh, only as far thing as that matters <laughs> i do i do think that this you know everybody talks about how over a year i just stayed home and you know really you didn't you went to fucking dollar general but uh this guy might have stayed home for a year because i mean he really did learn a lot of skills it seems like in a year yeah and it looked like it took a you know again how much is it performance or whatever, but it looks like it takes a pretty emotional toll on him. Like it right. feels honest. <laughs> well, I, I, I should say uh, when you started texting us about, Hey, let's switch from what we're doing and do this, uh, this uh, thing. I was at a wedding and uh, I fucking hate weddings. And I, and, and this particular wedding was a costume wedding. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. So I, I was dressed, I, I was dressed as Gilligan and as an aside, uh, when me and Sarah first arrived, one of Sarah's friends intercepted us and wanted her to come see a bunch of girls and stuff. And she was like, oh, Jason, the dudes are inside because this costume wedding was also at a bar. So there was a wedding outside and there was a bar. And so I didn't really want to separate from Sarah. I kind of just wanted to hang out with her. But I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll go into the bar and see the see the boys, because apparently I can tell that I'm getting I'm not wanted in this section. Uh, but when I go inside, I ran into a guy that I knew and he was like, hey, you're a you're dressed as, you're dressed as Gilligan. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm dressed as I'm dressed as Gilligan. He's like, oh, what? Uh, uh, I'm assuming Sarah's here with you. And I was like, yeah, of course. Why else would would I be here? Sarah's the skipper. And he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And I didn't get it for a few days, but I realized he thought that I was saying that Sarah's like the boss of me and was making me go to this wedding, which is true, but is not what I was saying. But anyway, I say all that because Gillingham does not wear reading glasses. 
And so I didn't have my readers with me. And I didn't read this part where you said to not watch this if you're not in a good headspace. And man, this was not a good time for me to watch this shit. It is heavy. I can't believe you spent a three-minute preamble to the, the part of I just didn't have my reading glasses that was not <laughs> pertinent to any other part of the story. Well, I, I felt like the, I felt like it was an interesting aside. <laughs> I, 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 I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I was like much of this uh, much of this special is about creating content. Yeah. Well, I mean that's a that's a great point, Hurt, because we we call it a comedy special. It's arguably at max like 50% comedy. <laughs> yeah. It's not I I never I, I never watch Nanette, but I'm gonna go ahead and compare it to that anyway. Uh, it's <laughs> it's it's not like a hard turn like that is. It's not like it just gets to a point where it's like, hey, I'm not gonna say anything funny anymore, and actually I'm gonna take a stance against saying funny shit. It more just goes in and out. But honestly, maybe just because, you know, of where I'm currently feeling right now, I was way more into the downer bits than the funny bits. Yeah, so I think that's pretty intentional because I, I, you know, and this may be base level analysis here, but I think you're supposed to see the decline of him over the course of the year. Like, I think the funny bits happen you know early on he's he's feeling encouraged and then you get to the i'm turning 30 in two minutes and then it's bleak after that (laughs) great except for the internet song which is the best fucking Ah, there there are a lot of good songs in here the internet one as like the internet is some kind of purveyor of of oddities uh, yes is is fabulous i just like mm. i love i love the the idea i love the style everything about it was was very great that was one of my standout ones also uh, the uh I, that, that song was pretty good the only song in it i genuinely hated was the white girl instagram shit i didn't think that was funny at all i thought it was a little mean-spirited like you know i think that's something that everybody piles on a lot lately about you know girls and their instagram but it's no dumber than anything else anybody's doing on the fucking internet what are you doing so great with the fucking internet you know so i, I didn't i didn't care for that and also Joe Bandy does a better version of that bit like 10 years ago. But <laughs> other than that, I thought that the uh, the music was pretty great and it hits the spots that it's supposed to, you know. The second thing that I really wanted to talk about this is I'm curious to hear y'all's perspective on this, but it feels like the target of this is content, content creation, the Internet just shoving you down the throat with stuff. And while I think a lot of what he said is honest and true, is it weird that he does it in the in a streaming service comedy special? Like it, it feels and that's, that's strange. Kind of, that's kind of why I wondered why you wanted to talk about this because I feel like Bo Burnham's specific brand of humor already covered all the bases that we were already going to talk about in this podcast uh, in a more insightful and funny way than we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, but he not only makes fun of him himself in doing this in it he also does a pretty good job of deflecting making fun of himself yes. you know that you know so yeah he he did make himself pretty bulletproof to uh i don't know to criticism in this yeah that's what's that's what's really strange to me is because i i think it's good i think it's well done and but 
I guess really when it boils down to, you know, wanting to talk about it, it's, it's that I feel like everyone's taken on most things, such extreme sides on it, but it really feels like it's dipping toes in, in both sides of the water. And, you know, is that good? I don't know. Like, it, I don't know. It's just this. I, I think you're right. Jay, the deflection while also critiquing at the same time is a really good descriptor. And does that make it worth your time? Is right. It, is it really actually saying anything or does it just look like it's saying something? Right. And I mean, right. I, I mean, that's kind of my general problem with with Bo Burnham's comedy for me in general, which is I've watched all of it and I think it's it's structurally good, but it's bad for me specifically for a couple of reasons. One, I, I feel like my whole personality is is uh, rooted in the need to be smarter than other people. And I constantly feel like Bo Burnham is trying to tell me that he's smarter than me. And I automatically don't like that. <laughs> uh, but I feel like, uh, you know, kind of to the more specific point of what we're just talking about. I, it, it's funny because it, it is, I think, such a relatable experience to... I, I don't know if it's every generation. I know it, I, I, I feel it's very much our generation, but maybe it's, it's everyone all the time. You know, I feel like so much of observational comedy is just combining like, you know, a narrative with some kind of relatable experience. Uh, and for, you know, a lot of time that relatable experience is just like, Oh, you know, I went to Starbucks and I put in my order and they said, my name was Schlarb. Uh, isn't that fucking crazy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like that's that's totally something. Like, I mean, I, I'm 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 picking on that as like the lowest possible fruit that you can pick on. But you know, uh, so so much of of observational comedy is, is ranges of experience of like here's a really specific mundane thing to here's kind of a more like uh, I don't know rooted human nature experience thing. Uh, Bo Burnham's comedy is very much about like being inside your own head, uh, and it's it's very much about kind of this like metacriticism of, of constantly assaulting your own thoughts and opinions of what you're doing, why you think you're doing it, whether what you, you know, whether why you think you're doing it is actually why you're doing it or not. You know, there's just, there's so much just layers of, of continually reassaulting the same root thought or root action with criticism until it's kind of inscrutable where it came from or what its purpose was. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of what, you know, he has a whole song about it, but it's a lot of what his comedy has been forever. And well, it's funny to me because it is such a, I think a super relatable experience to a lot of people. There's a part of me that finds it really distancing because it makes me feel like I'm always one step behind the joke. Um, mm. So I, I, I don't know if that happens to everybody, but I, I just know for, for me, I, I've watched all of Bo Burnham's stuff. He's been, you know, he's been in the comedy game since he was like 14 and I was watching him as a 14 year old. Uh, right. Doesn't sound weird at all. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty much the whole time. Every time I watch it, I feel like, oh, I feel like I feel like I'm the butt of this joke and I, and I don't get it. <laughs> I would say, Joseph, in another life, you probably would be Bo Burnham. I would have to have at least seven or 20 times the amount of talent that was rooted in my body. But yes, I think there's a lot. I, you know, it's just it's just strange. Like, I don't want to say I disliked it. But it just burned this need to discuss it for me because I can't tell if it's good or not. Like, like it's it's a shiny object, right? And it's it's 
it's really beautiful to look at and it's good to hear. And I mean, some of the points I like, but he's, he, he's, there's two bits in it that I think really sum up what I'm talking about. He, in the, in the white woman Instagram song, he, he says something about a picture of derivative street art or something. And I'm like, you're not that far from derivative street fart art. <laughs> Bo Burnham. Like, um, and, but then he's also talking about, you know, can anyone just shut the fuck up? Like can any single person just shut the fuck? And, and you're like, you critiquing that is you not being able to shut the fuck up like right but, but I, I mean but, to, to me in my in my reading of that was that was him talking to him <laughs> i agree but, but yeah. is that good for us to wa- like well, that's for, what for I sure yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're, you're well, I mean, not exactly because- my point christian by by trying to figure out and deconstruct whether or not it's good or not we're trying to figure out whether we get the joke or we're one step behind the joke yeah. Well, the the thing is, that was the exact moment I got on board. The shut up, the shut the fuck up part was the exact moment where I'm like, I'm getting this. But uh, but at the same time, I hear I am on a podcast talking. About yeah. No, hundred so percent. We're we're we are we are every bit part of the problem. Uh, you know, it's even like I I think a, a big part of whether or not I buy the authenticity of this is is whether or not I buy the depression. Like, there's one part yeah, towards 100%. the end where he breaks down and it feels really real but it can also be theater so i like i'm looking i'm i'm looking at it trying to look for cues like that's like it's exactly what i what i think is is i the third root of why i I also can't get on board with it even though i think it is objectively a good like work of art is it's it's funny to me that uh, i think so much of when we and i talked about earlier uh narratives in comedy, just narratives in general uh, are, are again, based on kind of this relatable human experience. There's, there's always some part that we as an audience are supposed to connect with. And for things that are supposed to be narrative that are fiction, that are movies and TVs and, and books, you know, we know it's fiction, but we still connect with it, like, you know, emotionally on a, an honest level. And so, it's funny to me that for some reason in this, you know, in this particular case where it's somebody who's, I don't even know if he's claiming that it's, it's fully honest, but it's presented in a way that feels like it's supposed to be kind of this raw semi unfiltered experience that even the notion that it might not be authentic, like taints your whole experience of it, which is dumb because even if it's, (laughs) even if it's theater, even if he's, like replaying an experience that he's had uh, to make it, you know, more cinematically interesting, or even if he's, even if he's, you know, fictionalizing, even he's, he's created this character in lockdown that's supposed to be conveying an experience that he thinks other people will relate to. That's totally valid. And that in, in almost any other context where you knew in advance, it was fictional, you'd be on board with it. You'd think he did a great fucking job, but because you, you aren't sure if he's supposed to be real or not, you kind of hate it a little bit. Uh, and I, it's weird. It's, I mean, I think that's, that's my experience. I, I think that's kind of like logically fucked up, but I still feel that way. I, I have an argument for it being real and an argument for it not being real. My argument for it being real uh, centers around his beard. First of all, I hate everybody's fucking beard. As as a bearded dude, I, there's just a there's like a typical <laughs> beard that every dude has right now. This particular long but well groomed beard that you just see everywhere, and you can ask Sarah. I can't enjoy anything because of it. As soon as we get somewhere and I see that guy, I was like, "There's that fucking guy again." I can't stand looking at that fucking guy. But Bo Burnham had a depression beard, and I I, I can tell you how you can tell a depression beard. 
It's the little hairs on the upper cheeks. When you don't even care enough to shave those away, that's a depression beard. But on the other hand, on my argument for why it's not real, how's he the only motherfucker who didn't gain weight during lockdown? Nobody who, who's that depressed wasn't depressed with Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> They're very easy to get. They're delivered to your door. Right. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, my argument against your beard argument is that that's his commitment to the bit is that the, right. the beard, the beard and the hair is supposed to convey how long he's been doing it. And is is, you know, a visual representation of, of how, how deep in it he is. Right. So, you know, I don't know. I do like on, on the Oreos bit, there are two songs dedicated to Jeff Bezos in this, uh, in this special, <laughs> which I think is fabulous because Jeff Bezos had I, I, an outsized portion of my thought process over the last year that I didn't want him to have, but I don't think I'd stop using his product, even if he burned my house down. I mean, that is the thing. There's no way he produced this without using Amazon.com. There's no way <laughs> yeah. he could get all the products he needed to his house without Amazon.com. <laughs> and that, that said, I hate Jeff Bezos too, but also it's not like I'm going to cancel Amazon Prime. It's yeah. not like I'm going to go to <laughs> yeah. Walmart every day. Yeah, I mean, I think kind of to, to both your points, the, the honesty versus dishonesty, I think that's really where it falls. Dishonesty is a strong break. word. Let's Performance. How about sure, that? That's better. <laughs> and that if you buy it or don't buy it, I mean, I think that also probably falls to what you believe the thing's truly about. Like, it seems like it's a comedy special taking on the internet. And it has content that does that. But is it really about a person's fall into depression and the effects of isolation and and if that's really what it's about, then I, I think the honesty versus performance bit is important. I think that is a fair critique because if it feels like a performance and that's what it's supposed to tell me, it doesn't feel legitimate. But if you buy it as honesty, then it, it probably all comes together for you. I mean, it, it is it, uh, props to him. It at least has enough layers for us to talk about it for 25 minutes, even though Joseph, <laughs> you seem to doubt that that was possible. I didn't <laughs> doubt that we could talk about it. I just didn't think that we would could, we would say anything about it that was better or funnier than it had already said about itself, which I still maintain that we have not. I think you've said interesting things. Well, thanks, buddy. Yeah, I was mostly curious to hear y'all's opinions uh, and what you thought of it. I mean, I wasn't trying to get you to tell jokes, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, it's just such an odd thing that would never exist without the Internet and without a global quarantine. Right. <laughs> yeah, two things that no one before they happened could have imagined had to happen for uh for this to happen that's that is it wouldn't have existed otherwise i i will tell you this it it pointed out to me an area of personal growth i had not noticed until i watched this which was uh you know during the the 30th birthday song he uh does a little sort of you know anti-childbearing humor which used to be like my favorite fucking genre of humor i i was on board with any fucking comic who got up there and talked shit about having kids. But, you know, now that I'm older and I know I'm going to die, like it's not like an abstract thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm going to die at some point. I'm going to end. And, you know, that uh, sometimes I, that's good. Sometimes it's bad, but it's definitely going to happen. I'm not as into uh, anti childbearing shit. So, I, you know, I, it was good to see that I've evolved in some way. Look at that character Look growth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I my my. I don't know if it was character growth, but realization is. Uh, I didn't realize how out of touch 
with my age culture, I feel like, until he did the the sexting song. And I was like, <laughs> I know what the peach emoji is, and I know what the eggplant emoji is, but that's the mm-hmm. only emojis that I know what they mean. I literally don't know a motherfucking another one of them. Yeah, he did like the snowman. He was like, oh, I'm good. I'm like, what the fuck does the snowman mean? (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to know. Also, though, isn't sexting over? I don't know. You know, like, I I thought thought the kids did all that on Snapchat now. I thought sexting was very oddies. I didn't think it was right now, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I think children are horny and they go whatever they can. Well, I mean, that's true of everyone. That's true. This this is unrelated to anything we're talking about. but YouTube has been feeding me SNL compilations aggressively uh, for the last. Damn like, week the and algorithm! Half. Yeah, I know the great. It's the <laughs> wisdom of the algorithm. But there's there's a bit. And I don't even know the context of the bit because I only see one one part of it where it's supposed to be like two kids in a hospital, like seemingly coming from like their prom, and it's one of the dad, one of the kids' dads, who's like, "I've just had this procedure. It was very dramatic. Please." you know, just out of respect for me and my condition, don't have sex. And the, the, the bit is just that they're like, yeah, uh-huh, I hear you. We will. And he's like, no, 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 please like hear me just, just for tonight. He's like, no, I totally hear you. We're going to, but I'm, you know, I hear you. <laughs> and it's, it's a very funny bit. That's what you reminded me of. Well, you're welcome. So I guess the moment we've all been waiting for is inside better or worse than transformers. It's Look, definitely shorter than Transformers. It's shorter than Transformers. It's not for me. It's long for a comedy special. It's, it's like an that, hour and forty. Or I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with better than Transformers. Uh, it, you know, as a comedy special, maybe not because I don't know that I laughed once in it. I thought a lot of stuff was really clever, but none of it made me laugh. And I, I, another another complaint I didn't get to. I don't think comedy songs should have repeated courses. Like you're not supposed to sing along. You're supposed to laugh. You know, so there should be variations in the courses that are new jokes. That's just a belief of mine. And I think this violated that rule. Now, if you think this means I'm saying that Willard Al sucks, I do not say that. Those are parody songs. That's different rules than just a comedy <laughs> song. Um, but overall, as a, as as I don't know, a piece of content, I'll give it better than Transformers. I, you know, I was genuinely touched at the spot where he broke down, even if I don't even if immediately afterwards I was embarrassed by it because I didn't know if it was real. Right. And isn't that fucked up? Isn't it weird? That, that, is. that, that is. Again, just, just the notion, because if you, if you knew coming into this, that this was a, a performance, I think right. you still would have connected with that moment and felt okay about it. Be like, Oh, this is a really great performance. It's making me feel, you know, a part of the human experience. Right. Uh, but the fact that you thought it was real and then thought, oh, but what if it's not? And that like totally ruined it for you. It's fucking weird. That's yeah, it. I agree. To- totally. No, yeah. that 100 percent. That that is it, that hits it on the nail on the head. If I knew it was just acting, then it wouldn't bother me that it was acting. But were I connected to it specifically because it felt like a real person really going through in something. I was immediately embarrassed. by it. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It, it, it portrays itself as honest. And so, yeah, but does it? It doesn't say that. No, no, I'm saying it does. And then the doubt creeps in and the oh, doubt. Yeah, is what yeah, makes yeah. You. But, but I mean, like, because he also goes out of his way during the process to show the making of process, which is, I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a, in a very specific amount, because, you know, generally you don't want to show how hard you work for something because then people think it's less good. 
but I, I feel like he he was going for a very specific, you know, he's he very specifically included those in there. Also, I didn't mention my favorite part of this. He introduced a concept that I'd never thought of before, but I love the uh, the concept of being able to commit suicide for one year. Like, <laughs> man, what a brilliant concept. Because if one of you guys right now said, hey, I have this pill and you could take this and die for a year, I wouldn't even ask about the side effects. I'd be like, fuck yeah, let's do that. <laughs> like, that sounds like, that sounds so fucking cool. I'm me, just curious, but- what, what year should we wake you up, Hurt? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm assuming it's a one year from when you take it. So, uh-huh. you know, I mean, at the very least, the scenery would have to be different when I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll move funny. you around so you can at least have something to look at when you wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Four ten seconds later, you're like, put me back out. Try again in another year. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm gonna say better than Transformers, but you know, mostly because I think it's you. You'll come out with more to talk about, and it's prob. I don't know if it's technically better, but it looks good. Um, and the music's pretty fun. Um, the internet song, like I said, is my favorite. It's been stuck in my head for like four days. It's very good. Uh, I also, I'm with her. I think it's, I think it's objectively better than Transformers. It's both, I think both for me, but also not a thing that I want to consume. Uh, if that makes sense in any way. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's good. I think you should watch it. If you're in a good enough place to do it, I'm sorry, hurt that you weren't forewarned. (laughs) Yeah. He was forewarned. Well, yeah, I was, I I was forewarned. It's no one's fault. But he was Gilligan, own. and there was like a whole thing. Nobody can really remember he the He lacked details. his readers. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's, I think, uh, especially, I don't know if, if we, we're ready to go back and look back at, at the quarantine experience. But if you want something that, you know, tries to, tries to put not necessarily words, but form to kind of the feelings you felt, I think it's, it's, it's something. Like I said, I think it's the best thing yet to do that. Doesn't mean it's great. And again, definitely you need to be able to kind of just blow it off at the end of it. Like you, if you're in a place where it's going to emotionally affect you, don't watch it. But if you are interested in a, which who the fuck is, you know, I guess we all are because a bunch of people watched it, but we should not be ready for that. We should not be ready for some introspective look on, <laughs> on fucking 2020 and, and COVID-19. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I, f- I finished this the thing, and again, the combination of, of talent and commentary on our content was like uh, like the internet content. I was like, we should quit this podcast. It's time to stop. But then I slept, and I was like, oh, I like talking to you guys. So no, I, I, we'll look, still do it. <laughs> my honest thought was, the way he critiques content is the exact opposite with which we make it, which is the way everyone tells you not to do it. Everyone's like, don't do all this. You won't get successful. And they're right. That's what we've experienced. That's, that's, that's we what just we do special. We make bad content. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I should say we shouldn't quit yet because I do have my own version of this. I have a thing I've been working on the entirety of fucking, uh, uh, of fucking lockdown. But I'm not going to talk about it till we're all in the same room together. That sounds awesome. All right, Hurt. Well, we're looking forward to uh, your quarantine project because now we have something to compare it to, and it better be better than Bo Burnham's Inside. It won't be. Trust me. You're all. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are going to hate it. That's I specifically mean, why I want to be in the same room with you. Ex- excellent. Uh, well, cool. I think that's it for Bo Burnham's Inside. Again, I hope you haven't made it this far without watching it because i think that kind of defeats the point but if somehow we've convinced you to watch it then go watch it it's on netflix it's an hour and a half anyway what have we been watching this past week guys 
well, we had discussed multiple options of things to uh, do an episode on before I, I pitched doing inside much to people's dismay. Um, so I watched Loki and in the Heights, which we will eventually do episodes on. I think since we're, we, we just started it and I, again, I don't think that there are people that listen to this that wouldn't already try it, but just as a, a basic reaction, should people watch, start watching Loki was the first episode good enough to keep watching. I fucking love the first episode. That's that's my favorite premiere yet of the three shows. One hundred percent agree. Um, I dug. I'm sure we'll you know we're gonna review it more. But for me, I really like the aesthetic. I liked the time travel bit. I liked what it had to say. Anyway, you should watch it. I think it looks cool. I think the storylines are cool. I'm fucking excited for where this show is going. I, I would say my elevator pitch for it, it's Doctor Who for haters. Yes, that's exactly uh, what it is. That's exactly what I wanted it to because, be. <laughs> because I, I'm I'm not a huge Doctor Who person, and I fucking loved this shit. Uh, yeah, I liked it. it. Very good. Better than Transformers. It's a, it's a great aesthetic, and honestly, my, my prediction was a lot of the show is going to be carried on the back of Owen Wilson and, uh, and Tom Hiddleston being very charming independently and together, and I stand by that. They, uh, they are great independently, and they have a great dynamic, and I think that's going to be most of the show, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it's a lot uh, of fun. Like I said, that's my favorite of the three premieres yeah. so far. And I watched In the Heights, which we may do <laughs> soon. The only other thing I did is I read or reread game of thrones i don't know why i well i know why i got invited to this thing and i didn't know anybody so i thought i'll bring a book and i just happened to pick up game of thrones and uh so for like two hours that's such a fucking power move christian yeah well (laughs) you know what to go to a thing and be like i know i could be looking at dumb articles on my phone but here's a book and i'm fucking (laughs) glad i did uh mind you I, i mean I read for about two hours, filled a, killed a few hundred pages. And then at this point I was committed and just thought I'm going to finish it. Um, that first, you know, I just rewatched the whole show here recently. And that first season is very, very close. You know, it's, I think it's the closest um, to the first book. Um, and on top of that, like I, that night was pretty fun. Cause I was just knocking back old fashions and reading <laughs> game of Thrones. And I was like, this is, this is the life I've always wanted, <laughs> but yeah. No, better than Transformers. That's it for me. Cool. Uh, you know, this week I didn't really watch anything of note, but I, I I took particular interest in a musical genre I was not a part of. You know, there's a, a emo pop punk band called All Time Low that has a newish song that Sarah likes. And I'm a, I tend to make playlists. So she was like, you should throw this on a playlist for me. And I was like, okay, I will. Uh, but what I didn't tell her is I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to try to get into that genre of music. Cause that was, that was like Sarah's genre of music. I was, I was about to say, it seems like it would have been Sarah's genre of music. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, she like followed around the warp tour and shit like that. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. was like, so I was like, I'm going to try to get into that, uh, that genre of music and try to figure out what I think would be 10 or 12 songs from that, that she liked. And, uh, it's been pretty fun. I, you know, when this music was at its height, I had chosen another team. I chose sort of chosen the new, new wave, the sort of strokes, hives, Interpol type thing. And uh, I'm not saying that was a mistake, but I, it seems like maybe these people were having more fun. You know, uh, it's amazing how much music you can enjoy when there's no societal pressure to right? enjoy or not enjoy it. 
Right. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of, because I, I definitely think I probably, you know, was anti this music at the time. And it sort of goes against something I've always railed against, which is like metalheads who hate hair metal. Because they essentially <laughs> just, they essentially just hate it because they, they don't like that those guys made music for girls. You know, they don't like that girls were invited to the party. But I mean, the thing is, nobody ever met a girl at Slayer. So I don't understand why you wouldn't want to go to a Motley Crue show if you could. And this is a lot like that. This is obviously music that was really girl friendly, but I also think a, a lot of it kicks ass. So I'm going to give, uh, you know, mid to late Audie's emo pop punk a, uh, a better than Transformers. It's, a, it's honestly amazing to me that it's taken you this long to be on board with it because it, it feels so much in line with a lot of your other music. Like it feels very closely adjacent to several of your other musical interests. Well, the thing that's so stupid is that, uh, I mean, probably the band that early on I adopted as an aesthetic the most was a band called the descendants and they sort of invented pop punk. Mm. So I don't know why I didn't love this the whole time that you're, you're right. I should have. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> well, I was about to say, a lot of this has been, uh, you know, if I gave any of these bands a, a, a time at the at the past, it was My Chemical Romance. But mm -hmm. I did that in private. I did that on my <laughs> own. But now, now I'm ready to do it in public. You know, uh, uh, they're 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 a fucking great band. This has been you a like big day of personal growth for Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. You like My Chemical Romance, Joseph's a furry. Like this is the time <laughs> for people. Like Are we really getting better? I don't know. Yeah. Growing Maybe. as a society. <laughs> Thank you, Netflix, for B Stars mm. and Umbrella Academy. Mm. <laughs> Is that it, Hurt? Yeah, that, that's all I got. All right. Uh, I watched, I think, I don't know when we were talking about it. It must have been one of our hidden gems of episode, but I rewatched Disney's Atlantis because it was on Disney Plus. It's 20 years old today. Is it? Oh, yeah, look at that. Well, on the nose. Uh, I, I totally knew that. Uh, and uh, it holds up. I was worried I was going to be wrong, and I was wrong about being wrong. It still pretty much kicks ass. This is one of the few times I can think of where I actually wish this movie was longer. It's a pretty tight, like, 90-something, 90 96 or so minutes, but it, it sets so much like a heist movie where you've put together this, like, eclectic team of big personalities who all have a speciality kind of thing. Uh, but a lot of the parts where they get to use their specialities are like, you know, in the hunt for Atlantis and it's a montage for the most of it. And I wish we could have spaced that out. So everybody could have kind of got more of a moment to shine. Uh, but otherwise it, it looks great. The voice cast is great. I, it, it's pretty fun. I uh, better than transformers. Uh, definitely a hidden gem. I agree. Totally. Um, I watched because I'm on uh, HBO gene smart kick. I watched all of hacks. Yep. which is about Gene Smart is a, a seasoned uh, comedian with a long-term Vegas residence who teams up with a young millennial writer to like beef up her material, I guess, or, or modernize her material. I think as a whole, the show is not great for a show that's very much about writing and comedy. It's not very well written or funny, but Gene Smart is so good and it, it almost doesn't matter. I don't, know I don't know why she's been so good at everything lately, but she's so good. Okay, it's it's funny. I, I I didn't. I almost talked about this last week. I w started watching this the day after we ended uh, uh, Mayor of Easttown, just because Gene Smart was in it. Yeah, and 
it like we only watched one episode because the first episode felt so written. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, Mary's no, Town felt like a thing that was happening. This felt like a script. And I was like, man, I'm just going to give it a few weeks to to uh, to put some space space between these two different gene smarts and try it again. But it, you're saying she makes it worth uh, plowing through? I think she makes it worth. I mean, the third, the 30 minute episodes, I think she makes it worth plowing through. The main character is insufferable. She's never mm. gets better. People repeatedly tell her that she's charming and funny, and she's neither of those things. Uh, and the the uh, whole show never comes up with any particularly insightful millennial observations or humor uh, to do with her character. So they just kind of go for the the Starbucks wrong names, you know, low hanging right. of uh, of that genre. So like, there's a lot not working for it. But Gene Smart is so good. Actually, you know who else is really good? Fucking uh, Shooter McGavin. I don't remember what that actor's name is <laughs> from, from Happy Gilmore. He's really good. He's the casino oh, uh, proprietor. Yeah. yeah, that guy's always good. You know, I, I, he's always good as like, you know, uh, this kind of cartoonish villain. And he is, yeah. I don't know, he's, he's still kind of that, but he's like, it's, it's more interesting in this. And I think he, he plays it really well in a way mm. that like, I want more of his character. Well, let me ask you this. Is, is D in the whole series or is that just a cameo in the first episode? He's in like half of it. All right, and she's also great at it. I mean, she right. is she is eminently dislikable, but that's right. that's the point. Well, that's uh, what she does. Yeah, I'm going to say it's slightly better than Transformers, but but Gene Smart is fucking like dragging it across the line. Right, right. I watch a an anime that Christian would be interested in called it S S S S four S's Gridman. Just Gridman is fine. Uh, but it's apparently based on a 90s uh, Ultraman Power Rangers style uh, ripoff, you know, of, of like teens who turn into uh, a robot and fight giant monsters. But this one's an anime. So it's, it's based off an existing property, but they turned it into an anime. It's, it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's like well done. It, a lot of it is, is a mystery story about like understanding what the fuck is going on in this world, why the kaiju are there, why the why the giant robots there, how any of it's connected. And it's a genuinely compelling mystery. But the thing I thought was interesting and the thing I think I could sell Christian on it is that for the monster fights, even though it's in, in an animated form, they can do whatever they want. They still draw them. You know, the, the robot is still looks like a man inside a robot suit and all of the monsters are very clearly designed to be something that could fit a human in a rubber suit. That's awesome. uh, and it's fucking fabulous like it's it's such a it's such a great design decision i really love it it ends you know in an ambiguous way that i i don't know if it it doesn't taint the series but i still think overall the series is better than transformers and really just something that christian should watch where is it on Crunchyroll? uh yes but maybe other places i don't know and the last thing i wanted to talk about and this is for christian fuck this is gonna be a long episode and it's my fault i know it uh <laughs> fucking critical role yes I, I think this is time to, to to put our opinions on paper so for hurt who doesn't know and for i guess our general audience who doesn't consume critical role the second campaign has ended uh there's no active story going on and they put forward that there was going to be a big announcement this past week on tuesday about what they were going to be doing next uh and we christian and i had pretty much already surmised that it wasn't campaign three they f- figured there'd probably be a lag time in between but Christian, you might actually remember more of the details. Could you t- tell us a little bit more about what they uh, 
what they ended up announcing? Yeah. So the big announcement was that there will be a mini campaign involving some returning cast members. But the big part is that it'll mostly be a new cast and a new GM. So Matt Mercer will not be. It's half and half. Yep. Precisely. Uh, The story takes place in the same location that campaign one does, but 30 years in the future. Um, And it will only be eight weeks long. So I think this is a really good starting point for people who have never, who've always been intimidated by the idea of consuming 500 hours. And listen, it is consumed. It is intimidating. I've consumed it all three times, top to bottom. So that's so much of my life wasted watching people play Dungeons and Dragons. Wasted is such a wrong (laughs) word, but correct enhanced is the right word (laughs) uh but this is a really good opportunity i think for for new people to come on and give it a shot it's just eight weeks um i'm curious to see you know what the dynamic is like with new people but uh yeah so new people a, a second cast while yes you're right half returning people and a new gm but a familiar uh and familiar environment indeed so for, for the listeners out there, like Christian said, it's, it's a good starting point. Do you remember what the date is when it starts? It's next Thursday. Okay. Uh, the 24th. Okay. You know, at the usual time, but it goes on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. We'll let you guys know. Who are we kidding? Well, um, I, I had already decided that I was going to try this mostly based on the fact that it seems to annoy Ian that I'm going to. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, but the hearing that it's going to be a short version so I can really get the gist of it in a shorter time definitely has sold me on. I'm going to try this. one. So so here's what I think is interesting, Christian. And this is what I wanted to talk about with this is this is, I think, such a smart business decision uh, for Critical Role because, you know, I, I think one of the the things that has has put them above the pack so far um, of, you know, the literally hundreds of other D and D live stream podcasts, whatever the fuck it is out there. Besides the fact that they were one of the first is they have a very strong group dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we talked about last week, you know, it's clear that they, these guys have been playing together for a long time. They're really good friends. Like I think, I think that safe space is really important for like dungeons and dragons to work, or at least like the narrative parts of it to work. Uh, but I think it's also just a big part of, of why people connect to it because they connect to the cast. And so while I think that that for a lot of their run, that's been a huge boon for them because their their camaraderie and their uh, you know relationship with each other is a big selling point for why they're you know one of the best ones to to out there. It's also hamstringing them in the sense that now they can only do things with the seven of them or the eight of them because you can't just slot in new people because i think mm-hmm. like me i mean i'm including myself but the fan base in general would feel like who the fuck is this outsider <laughs> jumping in my group i know what they are and it's not this and so i, I think especially as they, they continue to grow and want to make more money and probably want to make more content you know probably do more different things the fact that all eight of them have to be together all the time to play you know each game is a problem if yeah, they want to limiting. continue expanding and so this is so smart to me in, in a lot of ways. You're doing a, a mixture of, you know, old and new. You're getting a new DM. It's canonical, but it's not the main campaign, quote unquote. And it's got a hard, it's got a hard start and end date. So people are like, this is forever. They know this is a stopgap thing. Uh, so it's not like 
an ex- they don't feel cheated like this is a backdoor pilot, even though it kind mm-hmm. of is a backdoor pilot. Uh, it it feels like okay, this is just like a mini series. This is the the in betweeny stuff. And I think what's what's beautiful about it is I think what they're hoping with all those correctly set expectations that people will just watch it with the expectation that oh, we'll get back to real critical role, you know in a few more weeks after this is done. But by the time people actually get invested in this eight part story, they're going to be like, Oh, this is also a real critical role. And then yep. they can continue to make that. I think it's really smart. I really hope it works out. You know, they've done really good in the past of, of getting good people together. And I, the, their decision so far makes me feel like they get that that's a big part of why their brand is successful. So I'm mm-hmm. hopeful, uh, but I'm excited about this. I think it's, I think it's a really smart direction for them. Yeah, I, I think, well, and you know, talking about the people they got, like specifically Amy Carrero, she, she's, uh, I mean, I'm the parent here, but the voice of Elena from Elena of Avalor, Sam is the, the, was the voice director on that show. He recruited her for critical role as a person familiar with her work. I think she is an excellent choice to step into this universe and Robbie Raymond, the same thing. Like I'm familiar with him as a voice actor. They are on the same level to me and, and feel like people who would gen will generally are going to feel like they belong. And uh, I'm nervous because it's different, but I'm excited because it's different. Uh, Here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not even nervous about whether it's good or not. I'm nervous for, the, the critical role folks, the core eight, because they desperately need this to succeed. <laughs> yeah. And I really yeah. wanted to succeed for them so that they can continue to, you know, broaden their, their scope. But anyway, it's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you in the loop and, and particularly you hurt because it's now our life's mission. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'm watching this when it launches. So I'll just be there with you. Yeah. Fabulous. Or listening. I'm sorry. Listening. You know what I mean? You can Don't do both. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Twitch, YouTube, and then there's a podcast for him. Yep. Right on. Uh, but I think I think that's it for this this episode where we didn't think we'd have enough to talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I mean, literally, you were like, oh, yeah, we won't have much to talk about. This is great. It'll be a short episode. And then you talked more than you've ever talked on an episode. <laughs> I was afraid that was going to happen. Anyway, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week, probably in the Heights. I think I think since we missed the opening of Loki, we've done our pitch. We'll just hold Loki until it's over. Until it's that over. Sound fair? Yeah. yeah, that sounds yeah. good. It's, all, it it's, all, good what, it's only like four episodes. Am I right about that? I think it's six. I think, it's I think six. we have five, six. Minor, five right. more. Yeah. Good. Thank God. Because four was bumming me out. Yeah, four would be too short. I mean, six might be too short. But we'll see how it goes. Eight seems like a good number. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So in the Heights next week, it's on HBO Max and also in theaters. Uh, it didn't get a great box office reception. So go buy a ticket. I say, knowing that I'll probably watch it at HBO Max. <laughs> do it. Do as I say and not as I do. I definitely watched it on HBO Max. So yeah. <laughs> you're welcome to. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening. Please rate, subscribe. Tell your friends about the podcast. If you had an existential crisis after watching Inside, please let us know and tell us about <laughs> it. Uh, because I think that's a very normal response. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at realphonies.gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Later.